What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined today with David Drogemeyer. We're two writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, who have been covering the Chargers for four seasons now, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly. And this is our second season doing the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, it's Wednesday, so you know what that means. Of course, it's crossover Wednesday. So today we are joined by Lauren Cox from the Locked On Bears podcast to talk about both teams' underwhelming starts, the Chargers and the Bears so far this season. We commiserate a little bit, and then we talk about how these teams match up and how we think the teams are going to try to attack each other this weekend. So really good conversation with Lauren Cox over there from Locked On Bears But we're going to start with a little bit of news, not a huge significant signing, but the Chargers have brought in some help at the defensive tackle position, signing former Bronco Sylvester Williams to a contract. So we'll start with that because that obviously has some implications surrounding the other injuries to Justin Jones and Brandon Meebane. So let's go ahead and get into it, guys. This is your Locked On Chargers lead story. I'm Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer. On Tuesday, the Chargers brought in former Denver Broncos Sylvester Williams, the defensive tackle, to help add some depth to a defensive tackle group on the Chargers that has really struggled so far this year to stop the run and has also struggled to stay healthy over the last couple weeks with Brandon Meebane and Justin Jones, both starters, missing last week's game against the Titans. So the Chargers make a non-splash signing by bringing in Sylvester Williams. I will say one thing. I like the beef that it brings to this defensive line. Over six foot, 328 pounds. That's some serious muscle there in the middle. And the Chargers have pretty much stayed away from gap-plugging defensive linemen. They like more athletic guys. But, hey, you needed some help inside on the defensive line. And now you bring in a guy in Sylvester Williams who has played a lot in the NFL. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's played in 89 career games with 128 tackles, six sacks, and two passes defensed. So not crazy numbers, but that's not really his job, David. The Chargers brought in a guy who, when he's doing well, you might not even see him show up in the stat sheet. He is just going to eat up some offensive linemen and free up these linebackers and other guys like Joey Bosa and Uchenna Nwosu to make some tackles. Yeah, the former first-round pick from Denver comes to the Chargers in a time where the Chargers desperately need help across that defensive line, like you mentioned. And yeah, he's not going to, you know, he doesn't play a glamorous position and he's not going to get the glamorous tackle or sack stats. His job is to plug that hole in the middle to be a a, a, a force, to, to be a tree stump, to, to close down gaps and get in running lanes and make the running game a little bit more difficult for that offense. And uh, hopefully he helps. The Chargers obviously desperately need it. And it is nice to see them go out there. And not that they had much of a choice. They brought in T.Y. McGill last week, but we knew that wasn't the answer to all of the Chargers' defensive problems. And neither is Sylvester Williams. But he definitely helps you add some beef to that defensive line. I mean, right now, the biggest guy is Brandon Meebane at 6'1 and 311 pounds. I mean, Sylvester Williams has about 20 pounds on Brandon Meebane. So they definitely get some help, you know, having that immovable object 
in the middle of the defensive line where we've seen some big holes open up. But I think this speaks a lot, David, to the injuries to Justin Jones and Brandon Meebane. Another situation where the Chargers are extremely vague about the injuries to these guys. I mean, with most coaches, you would hear them say something like, hey, these guys will be back in a few weeks or this guy's day to day. We don't get any of those luxuries. We just get DNPs did not participate in practice and kind of have to go from there as far as who's going to play week in and week out with the Chargers. So I think this does bring up some questions about the health of both of those guys and when the Chargers could be seeing them back on the team. Yeah, I mean, they have to make two moves on the defensive line. I mean, that doesn't definitely bode well for the type of injuries that Brandon Meebin and Justin Jones are dealing with. I mean, like you said, the Chargers like to keep things very close to the vest as far as injuries is concerned. But, I mean, they're not going to go out and sign guys unless they think that these injuries could potentially be serious obviously we don't want to speculate on that but I mean we just got to go based off of the Chargers actions I mean they go out and get two players uh, where two players that they already have on the roster are injured you got to kind of have to read in between the lines so yeah this definitely doesn't bode well hopefully it's not super serious with the injuries but I mean we'll know when we know and that's been how it's gone with the Chargers so far but it is interesting to see that they still haven't brought in help for the offensive line who has had just as many injuries as the defensive line has. So obviously the Chargers front office is telling you that they are comfortable with the guys they have there on the offensive line, but are much more suspicious of the defensive front. So far this year, the defensive tackle group has not been a strength for the Chargers. So to get a a new body in there, to get some fresh blood, to get a guy who's hungry to make his way back into the league, I think only helps this team, and I think it helps raise the level of play from the other guys you have there as well, including Jerry Tillery and Damian Square, even T.Y. Miguel. So I think that the Chargers made this move. I think it's the correct move to make. They did need help there, and hopefully it pays dividends as soon as this weekend against the Chicago Bears. But we do have two more segments to get into, and we're going to be talking with Lauren Cox from the Locked On Bears podcast to get into this weekend's game. But first, I need to tell you guys, of course, about my favorite sponsors over at BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And this is just to help you guys take that extra step in the bedroom and get that extra oomph and give you something to be excited about. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits. No waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy as well. Right now, we still have a special deal going for our listeners. If you guys go to BlueChew.com, you can get your first shipment for free when you use the special promo code Locked On. All you have to do is pay $5 in shipping. The product is free. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And guys, you know, I always get excited talking about Blue Chew, but there's nothing else that gets me more excited about watching football games is when I have some action on them. And if you guys want to bet on football this season or any of your favorite sports, there's only one place to do it, and that is at my bookie. We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every single weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sportsbook on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with MyBookie. 
The best part about my book, you guys, if you join right now, my book, you will double your first deposit. That's right. Double your first deposit. You put in a thousand dollars. They will give you a thousand free dollars to bet with. That's double your initial deposit. So you can use it on all of your favorite picks this weekend. Use promo code locked on all caps. One word to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on to double your cash today at mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. So, Daniel, I think a lot of Bears fans maybe that haven't watched the Los Angeles Chargers this year, I think nationally we had higher expectations for what was going to go on in L.A. Obviously, it's been a disappointment, which I think sounds familiar for a lot of Chicago Bears fans. But if you had to diagnose sort of the the bigger picture, why the Los Angeles Chargers are 2-5 and five heading into this matchup, do you look at injuries? Do you look at coaching? Do you look at players not achieving to the level that they were supposed to? What's sort of been the the bigger picture reason for the struggles so far? Well, I think, Lauren, when you're talking about the Chargers, and I'm sure it's somewhat true with the Bears as well, you can't really boil it down to one thing. I mean, obviously, with 11 players on injured reserve, that has to play a part in it. And I think the biggest injury has to be Derwin James and what he brought to the defense last year and what you're lacking in that area this season. I mean, that's huge, but the coaching has been an issue. I mean, turnovers in the red zone. I mean, you have five turnovers this season in goal-to-go situations. So I think you have to look at those things. I mean, obviously, it's spotlighted because last week it ends up on first and goal from the one-yard line and you fail to put it in and add insult to injury by fumbling it as well and not even being able to tie it up with a field goal. But I think there has been some underperforming players. I mean, the Chargers gave Travis Benjamin an extension going into the season, which was very questionable. And all he did was, you know, six catches before he landed on injured reserve. And the Chargers really haven't had another option at receiver. Getting Hunter Henry back obviously helps. And hopefully this week getting Russell Okung back helps. But as far as the coaching goes, that they cannot escape blame for this either. I mean, some really questionable play calls, kind of like the Bears last week against the Saints, where you don't really see the offense open up until too late in the game to really make a comeback. And I think part of the problem is just predictable play calling problem. Part of the problem is just a lack of weapons offensively. And then Phillip Rivers turning the ball over. I mean, he's turned the ball over eight times every game, except for the last game against the Titans where he had a few interceptable balls and then the game against the Dolphins. So I'm sure you understand, but it's, it's an all of all of the above type of situation. Yeah. See, I look at this Chargers offense and I, you know, I think on paper with, with Hunter Henry back in the mix, you see Keenan Allen and, you know, Mike Williams is some talent there. And of course, Henry at tight end and then Gordon and Eckler in the backfield. It feels like there should be better offensive production there. And I'm sure it feels like that in, in Los Angeles as well. But you know, do you blame some of the offensive line and injuries for holding them back there or, or why, why, or is it more play calling or, or what is it offensively that it's, I'm guessing it's, it's probably a mix. Yeah, it's a mix. I mean, the offensive line was questionable going into the season, and that was before we learned of the Russell Okung pulmonary embolism. And then now this week, Forrest Lamp goes on injured reserve. Last week, you had Pro Bowl center Mike Pouncey go on injured reserve. And I think the biggest thing with the Chargers offense right now, Lauren, is just 
the inability to finish off drives. Like I said before, the five turnovers and goal to go situations is just ridiculous. But a lot of times they've been able to move the ball up and down the field. Some missed field goals, four missed field goals this year has hurt them too. So I think for the Chargers, the offensive line is a really weak spot that I think even without Hakeem Hicks, the Bears will do fine with this week. But it was not a very talented group going into it, but the injuries have only made it worse, and the Chargers have just been unable to overcome it and really score points when they have the opportunity to, doing really bad in the red zone this season. I mean, their efficiency in the red zone has been better, but it's been pretty bad all season long. Yeah, and I think Bears fans kind of go into this game, not not too worried about the Chargers offense, but worried about the Bears offense against any defense. And, and this week it happens to be the Los Angeles Chargers. And not that it's a, a defense that's been dominating, you know, in, in any stretch of the word there, but they've been they've been OK. They've kept the Chargers in pretty much every game this season. They have some talent kind of sprinkled in there. I mean, obviously, Joey Bosa is the name that, of course, takes all the headlines. But as I kind of look through that, that defense with the loss of Derwin James, does does the secondary and, and particularly, you know, the, the two safeties become the biggest weakness? Because, you know, I like Casey Hayward. I like Desmond King. But uh, it seems like there's maybe some vulnerabilities in the middle there, even as you come down to the linebacker positions with some some young and old there. Would Is that is that a fair assessment or where do you see the, the strengths and weaknesses of this defense? Yeah, I think that's a, a very fair assessment. I think when you look at the Chargers statistically, what they're worst at is stopping the run. I mean, holding Derrick Henry to 90 yards last week was considered a win for the Chargers defensive line, minus their two starters, Brandon Meebane and Justin Jones. But when you're looking at the secondary and the absence of Derwin James, that forced Adrian Phillips into his role, which then led to Adrian Phillips breaking his forearm, which leads to Roderick Teamer, an undrafted free agent, starting the game at, at strong safety. And Rayshon Jenkins has actually been somewhat of a bright spot, specifically in coverage, but his missed tackles this year have just totally always led to giant plays for the opposing offense. Anthony Lynn talked about it this week. He hasn't missed many tackles, but the ones he's missed have been huge plays. So I think Rayshon Jenkins has been better in coverage. Roderick Teamer has been exposed at a few different times this year. And I think the talent is not where you'd want it to be, but the lack of communication, I mean, leading to easy touchdowns have absolutely eaten this team alive. And with the linebacking core, I mean, you have Thomas Davis, an aging veteran who seems to be a step behind his normal pace, which is, you know, to be expected at his age. But the young guys haven't been able to get in there and really find a solid footing to contribute on the defense. Drew Tranquil, the fourth round pick last week, got some extended playing time, had some lapses in coverage. And it just the Chargers can't seem to work it out with the safeties or the linebackers right now. And it's been somewhat of a revolving door, less so with the safeties, just because the attrition that has just because of the injuries that they've had at the position. Last one for you, Daniel, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you to ask me some Bears questions. You know, the Bears are going to be favored in this one, you know, from a record standpoint and I think from a betting standpoint. What if, if the Chargers are going to win this game, what will that look like? What will be the reason why this is the week that the Chargers are able to put this together and, and defeat a team like the Bears? If the Chargers are going to win this week, I think it's going to take a, a defensive effort from the Chargers to keep the offense in this game because the offense has struggled against any 
top tier defense. I mean, even going back to last year, their toughest games were the ones against the Broncos and the Ravens and the Patriots dismantled them in the playoffs. But for the Chargers, they really need to avoid turnovers in this game. You have two fumbles last week. You lose one of them. You've had a ton of turnovers this season already. You cannot afford to do that against a team like the Bears who need pretty much all the help that they can get offensively. So for the Chargers, you cannot set them up with prime scoring with prime scoring opportunities because this Chargers offense has been mediocre at best this season and hasn't been able to cash in. So to set up the Chicago Bears for easy points on an offense that, I mean, I don't think has eclipsed 300 total yards this season of offense. I mean, you just absolutely can't have it. And then other than that, play calling wise, the Chargers need to come out and be up tempo. They need to not let the Bears get substitutions in, try to hold back that pass rush by just keeping them on the field and not, and trying to get mismatches with guys like Austin Eckler on linebackers or safeties. They have to be able to do that and they have to be able to run the ball more effectively. Melvin Gordon has been atrocious since he's come back, averaging around two yards per carry. And they're not going to win this game with under 40 rushing yards, in my opinion. So there has to be somewhat of a balance, even though realistically we know it's going to come down to what Phillip Rivers is able to do. And if he's able to find explosive plays without putting the ball in the air and risking too much and trying to avoid those turnovers. All right, well, before we get into the last segment of the show, we do have one more sponsor to shout out today, and that's our favorite car dealership over there at Metro Infinity, a huge fan of the Locked On Chargers podcast, and you guys should be a huge fan of Metro Infinity because it is the number one volume car dealership in California. It's right off the 210 in Monrovia, and you have to swing by their brand new multi-million dollar facility to check out the amazing selection of new and used cars. One of my favorite parts about Metro Infinity is that if you don't like coming into the dealership, no problem. We will bring your new car and the paperwork to your home or office and complete the whole transaction there. If you guys tell them that Locked On Chargers sent you, they will give you an extra $500 off of any car purchase. They take pride in not being your typical car dealer where it takes hours to buy a car. They don't play games and they want their customers to get a luxury car buying experience. If you guys are thinking about a new Infinity or even in the market for any new car, please give them a chance to earn your business. Believe me, you won't regret it. They also have over 50 certified pre-owned Infinities as well. You can reach them at 626-7510 or at MetroInfinity.com. Head over there today, guys, to the brand new facility, and you can be driving off with your new Infinity today. And also make sure to tell them that Lockdown Chargers sent you so you can save an additional 500 bucks. All right, back here on Crossover Wednesday with Warren Cox from the Locked On Bears podcast. And now it's time for me to ask some questions of Lauren Cox about, you know, two underachieving teams so far this season. And and really two teams that have had, you know, similar trajectories get dashed by, you know, a, a mix of injuries and underperformance. So first of all, obviously Mitch Trubisky missed a few games. He comes back last week, has a really rough game against the Saints, and the Saints have a really good defense, but As Chargers fans, this podcast knows that Chase Daniels is not somebody that you want to see. I mean, he played with a bunch of backups and really knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs one season. So, I mean, I might be naive and I haven't watched every single game in its entirety, but is it totally out of the question for Chargers fans to wonder if they're lucky that they're getting Mitchell Trubisky this week? I think it's not not totally out of the question. No, absolutely not. I think 
there's certainly a debate in Chicago right now about which quarterback gives them the best chance to win every game. And Mitchell Trubisky is certainly the much more high variance quarterback, which when you have an offense that's struggling a little bit and you have a, a very strong defense around him and, and presumably a group of skill players that should be performing better than they are, that maybe uh, a little bit more stability at the quarterback position with with fewer of the highs, but certainly fewer of the lows might be a, enough to help this offense stabilize a little bit. And we saw that in the games when Mitchell Trubisky didn't play. But I, I don't think the Trubisky that we saw against the New Orleans Saints is is what Mitch is locked into, even though it kind of feels that way in Chicago. A lot of fans are kind of ready to put the bust label on him and move on before too long. And I, I think they ultimately will eventually, they're not going to lock into him long-term, but for now, I think there's some, some opportunity for him to bounce back at some point. I don't know. He's not going to, you know, turn a, turn a flip a switch and just turn it on against the chargers. But I do think at this point, Chase Daniel probably would be the better option, but we're not going to see it unless Mitchell Trubisky gets hurt again. I figured as much, and it would be hard to just, you know, give up on him and just let him keep that job, Chase Daniels, that is, if you're the Bears right now. But one thing Mitchell Trubisky has done is, I mean, he's limited the interceptions, you know, five touchdowns, two interceptions this season. And with a Matt Nagy offense and with that defense, I think somewhat that's okay for them. I mean, they can get by that way. But I do think that Mitchell Trubisky is probably in for a bounce back week against the Chargers who really like to take mediocre offenses and make them look much better than that so the one thing that scares me a lot about this matchup with the chargers is the chargers pass rush lanes can they stay committed to those lanes can they collapse the pocket and not let mitchell trubisky get out of the pocket because if you can make him go and sit in there make a couple of reads i think you can have success against him but i think the worst case scenario for the chargers is not being able to bring him down like we've seen multiple times this year especially against deshaun watson versus the Texans, but I think that if the Chargers can keep Mitchell Trubisky in the pocket, they'll have success, but I think that probably, and you can answer this, Matt Nagy is probably going to try to do some rollouts, get him out of the pocket, get him in space, and get the ball in these receivers' hands to go up against a defense that has had a really hard time tackling. It's been an underutilized aspect of Mitchell Trubisky's game this season, that last year he was more of a rushing threat, and that was probably a more effective threat than throwing quite a bit of the time when he could kind of extend those plays and take off and scramble downfield. And yet through, through this season so far, it's technically five games, but only he barely played in one of them. So four full games, he only has five carries, you know, five, and that includes, you know, scrambles and, you know, read option plays where he, he may keep it. He's done that a couple of times. So his, his mobility has not been as much of a weapon and his pocket presence hasn't been, where you'd like it to be for a third-year quarterback. He's much more inclined to, you know, escape the pocket sort of down and around the outside rather than stepping up when the pass rush is collapsing on the edge, which sometimes has been problematic. So I, I if I was, if, from the Charger standpoint, I wouldn't be too concerned about Trubisky's legs. I wonder if the injury to his left shoulder is, you know, holding him from wanting to put himself out there too much in that formula as well. But I, I think at this point, Trubisky's been a little bit more limited from a pocket movement standpoint. And I think it is something the Bears w should do more. I think it, it is an, a, a way to make him more effective in a way that we just haven't quite seen much this season.
Yeah, he definitely hasn't been a runner many times this year, but his escapability is still something that worries me. And I think the Chicago Bears offensive line has done okay in pass protection. They're about middle of the pack and allowing sacks, but they've been pretty bad running the football and opening up running lanes for the Chicago Bears offense. Obviously, going into this game, you know that the Chargers defense's weakness, the biggest one right now, is the rush defense. How do you think that the Chicago Bears are going to try to get that running game on track and try to take advantage of a pretty soft interior defensive line for the Chargers? The Bears are coming off a game where they ran the ball seven times and threw it 54, and it's obviously been a a heavy point of criticism for Matt Nagy and and the Bears' offense. They have not been able to effectively run the ball really in in any game this season. They kind of got some different things going against the Denver Broncos a little bit, but it hasn't been anywhere close to what they wanted after, you know, making some changes at, at the position and, you know, trading up for David Montgomery in the draft and signing Mike Davis and getting rid of Jordan Howard. And a lot of it has been offensive line based. Uh, some of it has been running backs, maybe not necessarily taking the best lanes, but I do think it's going to try and be an emphasis this week. But Matt Nagy's not afraid to abandon it and for better and, and usually for worse when, when it's just not working. He's not going to keep handing it off for one or two yards. So if they can get it going early against the Chargers, I think that's going to be the key because that was sort of Matt Nagy's answer for why they abandoned it against the Saints that you know his first three runs went for zero one and two yards and then they fumbled it on the next run after that and then in the second half their first run they fumbled it again and he felt like well we're not getting any yards and we're turning it over twice so we need to keep this offense moving we need to pass and so I think establishing it early against the Chargers will give the team some confidence to be able to kind of stick with it I'd like to see the Bears do a better job of getting better box numbers and trying to spread defenses out and not get so much bulk in the middle there and trying to run into these piles because I think that's where they start having some of their problems. So it definitely starts and ends in the trenches up front. And if the Chargers can hold up there, then then they can get the Bears offense a little one dimensional and, and have a little bit more success defensively. Well, and that's the key. I mean, I think the Chargers go into it with the same game plan too many times, just getting into shotgun running right behind center where that's not necessarily a strength and when they've been successful it's getting the offensive line moving kind of neutralizing the other defensive line but I think if there was a chance for the Bears to have success running the football it might be in this game but let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball for the Bears and really the better side of the ball I mean the Bears pride themselves on having a really great defense I mean it seems like forever now right but it, it it's no different this year. I know some of the counting numbers doesn't look like this is still a great defense, but I, I would happen to disagree. But the biggest loss so far for you guys this season has to be Akeem Hicks, one of my favorite players to watch just because of what he's able to do. We talk about, I mean, quarterback pre-snap, but what Akeem Hicks is able to do pre-snap, I mean, I've seen videos of him just talking about, hey, I know this guard is pulling right now. Uh, it's just ridiculous what he's able to do. What has been... What do you think the biggest impact is on the Bears defense not having a player of his caliber? I think it has been in run defense that we've seen the last couple weeks being a little bit more vulnerable to to running backs, whether it be the uh, Josh Jacobs with the Oakland Raiders or last week, you know, Alvin Kamara was out for the Saints and Latavius Murray came in and, and broke 100 yards without too much trouble. And it was the only two games this season that the Bears have allowed anywhere close to 100 rushing yards. And not that it's just one person being the difference between a 40-yard rushing game and a 150-yard rushing game, but Hicks is really good at both, you know, be, swooping a guy at the line of scrimmage and being in the backfield to make the tackle for a loss or just 
holding his blocks with with two different blockers and kind of keeping his space so the linebackers can kind of flow around him and make plays on the running back. So losing him has certainly been a factor in that. It hasn't been the the only reason the Bears' run defense has been poor, but he is he is a better run defender than pass rusher, and he's he's a pretty effective pass rusher one-on-one when he's penetrating upfield. So it, it does affect the team in both ways, but I, I certainly start in the running game where I, I think there's some real opportunities here for Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon to, to get some things going if the offensive line can help them out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. I mean, the last three teams you've played, the Steelers, the Broncos, and the Titans have all had a deficiency of some sort stopping the run, and, and that has not helped the Chargers not eclipsing 50 rushing yards in any of those games. It's been really tough, but with the, with the Bears' defense, it's hard. I mean, we can't go the entire show without talking about Khalil Max, a guy that – Khalil Mack, a guy that Charger fans are very familiar with, with his time in Oakland. And I think the pass rush is going to be big in this game. And I want to know if you think that the interior guys that you have left in there, Eddie Goldman and those guys, do you think that they will be able to get enough push in the pocket to not let Phillip Rivers step up and deliver his throws? Because last week we saw a lot of Phillip Rivers kind of falling away floating and throwing balls off his back foot and and seeing some balls that maybe should have been intercepted falling to the turf. So do you think that without Akeem Hicks, obviously that the bears will still be able to get a good enough pass rush to kind of rattle Phillip rivers, because I think that is a huge key. And once Phillip rivers gets rattled, I mean, who knows which way the game is going after that. I have my doubts just because, you know, you, if you look at the last two weeks, the Bears have played decent offensive lines with the, the Raiders and the Saints and technically three weeks, the last two games, because there was a buy in between there. But regardless, the Khalil Mack has been pretty much non-existent in terms of uh, pressure. I mean, he's been getting a lot of attention from opposing offensive line, which is why he hasn't been able to really get after the quarterback in either of the last two games. But the Bears haven't been able to take advantage everywhere else in terms of the interior guys getting that push or even Leonard Floyd and Aaron Lynch on the opposite side rotating around trying to get you know just sort of that balance to Khalil Mack so uh, you know the Bears have had some flashes from some of their interior pass rushers Roy Robertson Harris and Bilal Nichols a couple of guys with some explosive ability but we just haven't seen anyone else really do it at a consistent level this season at least not since Akeem Hicks has been out so I, you know, maybe the Chargers offensive line can be what the doctor ordered in that regard and and playing against a line where you've got presumably backups filling in for injured starters that could kind of be the difference there that it it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden this is the week that the Bears pass rush wakes up a little bit and Khalil Mack gets home a couple times and the interior starts to collapse the pocket. But the last two weeks have been trending in a poor direction in that regard. So I think the Chargers can at least have some confidence that maybe, you know, they can be the next line to kind of hold up against this Bears front seven. Yeah, and I think for this game, I mean, outside of the interior in those trenches, if the Chargers can develop some plays downfield, they're going to need to get Keenan Allen more involved. I mean, after just going off the first three weeks, the last four games for Keenan Allen have been very rough. And I think that's a good matchup, Kyle Fuller and Keenan Allen, when they match up against each other. And Eddie Jackson is just one of my favorite players. But Keenan Allen's first four, first three games, 29 catches, 404 yards, three touchdowns, last four 15 catches, 160 yards, and that's just not going to get it done against the secondary like the Bears have right now. But, hey, we're going a little long, so I think we're going to wrap it up on that. It's going to be a good matchup this weekend. And if you know the Chargers and the Bears, you know it's probably going to be a very close game. And watch out for the onside kicks by the Bears. But, hey, Lauren, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate doing the show with you. I think we had a lot of good talking points there and gave some really good insight. 
Absolutely. I always look forward to these crossover Wednesdays and, and getting the local perspective on these teams because no one knows the Chargers better than you guys. And I, I like to think I know the Bears pretty well, too. So I appreciate it. All right. Well, a special thank you to Lauren Cox again for giving us all those great insights on the Chicago Bears. And if you guys want to help out somebody who's helping us out, make sure to go give him a follow at Cox Sports One and also Locked On Bears. He's also a pro football focus analyst. So, you know, you're going to be getting some good information with Lauren Cox over there with Locked On Bears. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Make sure to call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line if you haven't already so you can get a chance to be on this Friday's Fan Mail Friday show. The number is 323-524-7924. Been blown away by all of the calls that we've gotten already this week. We have our favorite caller, Tim, calling back again. So we'll get that to you guys on Friday after we do Keys for Success tomorrow. But until then, guys, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked on LAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked on Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from and make sure you rate and review once you get there. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow to get into the keys for success for this game against the Bears. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.